Hello and welcome to Small Town Big Business, a podcast about doing big business in rural middle America. I'm Deb Barnett, your co-host for today and also with Southern Illinois Now, where we work on economic development to advance the Southern Illinois region as a great place to live and to work and of course to do business. And I'm Russell Williams. I'm director of Ethos. Ethos is a small business incubator. We're co-working spaces. We also do training and development here in downtown Marion, Illinois. In fact, welcome to the Citadel building. We're a historic building here on Tower Square Plaza. Thank you for watching and supporting us. We also want to thank our sponsors for making the podcast possible. And that includes thank you to Arcadia Wealth Group, Black Diamond, Harley-Davidson, and RV the Fowler Heating and Cooling Company, Swinford Media Group, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, and of course our producers at Union Street Arts who make us sound and look so good. That's right. And you can join our small town big business community by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform. You can also listen and watch, see us live and in person um, on our YouTube channel. Simply search Small Town Big Business and subscribe for free so you don't miss any upcoming releases. We have a special guest today. We do. And you get to introduce her today. Of course. So we are so excited. Small Town Big Business, of course, talks with owners and founders uh, of businesses in small towns around the Midwest and, and here in Southern Illinois. And I am so excited to welcome Amy Mills to the podcast today. So first, welcome, Amy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love doing podcasts, and it's really an honor to do this one. That's awesome. So you're a podcast enthusiast. I and, am. And experienced, too. A little. <laughs> yeah. Well, so glad you get to do this one. Thank you. You know, as I was thinking through, uh, anyone who knows anything about barbecue or loves barbecue probably is very familiar with the Mills name. Um, your father, of course, the legend. Uh, but let's start just by telling us just a little bit about you and how 17th Street got started. Sure. Well, I came into the family business in 2000. So I've been fortunate to work side by side with my dad in some real building years of our business, but he lived barbecue his entire life. Really, our family's story starts in the 30s with our family barbecue sauce. And when my grandmother was widowed at the age of 46, still with three of her five children at home, she would make that barbecue sauce and bottle it in sterilized mayonnaise and ketchup jars and sell it to friends and neighbors. So the barbecue sauce has been a thread throughout our family. My grandfather, actually, his dream was to quit his job as a soap suds and cigarette salesman <laughs> at the Palm Olive Pete Company and have a barbecue restaurant and bottle and sell that barbecue sauce. But sadly, he died at the age of 42. And so, interestingly, my dad, much later in life, is the one who carried on that dream. Hmm. Yeah. And this history is all in Southern Illinois or elsewhere? So my family is originally from Southeast Missouri. Um, my grandfather from Kennett, my grandmother from Campbell, Campbell Missouri. Yeah. And they moved to, um, my dad was born in Cape Girardeau. They moved to Murfreesboro when my dad was six months old. Okay. So for all intents and purposes, he considers himself born and bred Murfreesboro. Yeah, awesome. And then how did you come into the business? So I came back into the business kind of in a strange way, but I went away to journalism school at Mizzou and moved very briefly to Dallas and then a much longer stint in Boston. And I always had advertising, marketing, and PR 
jobs. And every now and then I would write something for my dad or I would design an ad or just do some quick little project, but really I was not involved in the business at all. But in 2000, I was home visiting, I was newly divorced, um, spending a little bit more time in Southern Illinois and longer periods of time. And my dad handed me this post-it note and he said, hey, would you call this person back for me? My dad will call everyone back, but it may take a very long time for him to get through all of those messages. (laughs) So I called the number and it was a reporter who was writing a story for Martha Stewart Living Magazine about mail order barbecue. And she said, thank you so much for calling me back, but I called a while ago and I've already written the story. And so I went back to my dad and I said, Daddy, we just missed this huge opportunity. Start giving all of those little pieces of paper to me. And I just started following up on PR requests. um, And then, you know, that all just snowballed. I came up with the idea for writing Peace, Love, and Barbecue. um, And the kind of, it it just snowballed from there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Tell us about Peace, Love, and Barbecue, a book that you published, but tell us a little bit about about that. Well, that was such a fabulous experience. I had worked uh, my last corporate job for J. Jill when it was only a catalog and I was the copy director, but really it was such a small company. I did a little bit of everything there, which was great, great learning ground. And it's really what gave me so many skills that helped in writing a book. But I came up with this idea when I came back into the barbecue world, you know, all of these things that were very boring to me when I was growing up all of a sudden seemed much more interesting. (laughs) And these weird people seemed much more interesting to me. And I knew that there was not a book that really captured this unique slice of Americana. It's really a subculture within America, this barbecue, these barbecue people in this world that we all inhabit. And so I bought a book, How to Write a Book Proposal, and I wrote a book proposal and I found an agent I actually went to Barnes and Noble and sat down in the cookbook aisle and took all the books I liked and sat there and read the acknowledgements because everybody thanks their agent in the acknowledgements. And I made a grid of who I looked to me like were the best agents out there. And I queried the first one and she wrote me back. And at this time, there's, you really don't do this via email. You write a letter and you have to send a packet that has a sample chapter and your proposal she said, you have a great idea, but I already represent a barbecue author. So you need to find someone who doesn't. Great idea. So, you know, that took four weeks to get that letter back to me. So I go off to the second person on the list. And while that letter is out in the ether, I go to the Aspen Wine and Food Festival. We were helping open Blue Smoke in New York, and we were going there to cook for Um, an American Express black card party, which is very exciting. And really also to sample sample the barbecue and kind of preview what Blue Smoke was going to be all about. So I met a writer while I was there and I was telling her about my book. And she said, before you sign with any agent, you need to talk with my agent. She's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. So she introduced me. And when I got back, the second agent had written and said, please come to New York to meet me. So I ended up going to New York and meeting with two people, the agent that was referred to me and the second hotshot agent. And I went with the referral. Her name is Jana Stano. She happens to be from Memphis. So she very much knows about barbecue and um, she is a fabulous agent. So she 
helped sell our book. And um, one of my favorite memories is going to New York with my dad when we, when the book was coming up for auction and we went around and met different editors. And, um, you know, I can remember just speeding down one of those New York thoroughfares in a cab and kind of looking up and I said, did you ever think we'd be doing this? And he said, no, I never (laughs) did. That's what I was going to ask you because I'm sure as a marketing PR person, that is like a dream come true Mm -hmm. of, of, of pursuing that. But did your dad ever think that would happen? Never. Passion for barbecue, right? Right. I mean, the family business, but did he think it would go that far? Never. And, you know, I think even the whole time I was working on it, when the book finally came and he got his first copy, I think he really thought it was going to be like a spiral-bound church cookbook. He really, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he really didn't know. He was yeah. like, he said, "Well, this is pretty nice." And I said, "Well, I guess that's my first compliment." I don't know. <laughs> we did not dole out compliments, but the book was yeah. nominated for a James Beard Award, and yes. so you know, going to the Beard Awards and um, just being part of that whole experience with wow. him—what a what a thrill! It was really neat. It really is a great book, and I love just the cover and the stories in it, and the images, and then I think there are even some recipes in there as well. Well, it's, there are a hundred recipes. Yeah, it is yeah. a cookbook, but yeah. it's very much built um, on with the narrative um, and stories throughout, and the right. stories are probably better than the recipes. The recipes are excellent, but yeah. it's really a book you can sit down and read. Right. Was it key for the business to be Murfreesboro, which is in between St. Louis and Memphis, which I think are two wonderful barbecue places? Did, was there any relationship there of how um, your business really got beyond small location? Not at all. Okay. And, and honestly, I think the St. Louis barbecue scene has burgeoned in the last 10 or 15 years. Okay. And we've been in business since 1985. You may have been influential with those. Exactly. In fact, yeah. if you look at the tree of people who are big in St. Louis barbecue right now, many of them worked for my dad at okay. one time, which huh. is kind of interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about barbecue, 17th Street, but I know that you have other businesses as well. Um, see if I can remember them and help me out. On Q Consulting, mm-hmm. so that's bringing folks from around the country, really around the world, around the world, in to learn from you, learn from the best about barbecue, the barbecue industry, hospitality, right? Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Sure, at all? I would love okay. to tell about that. Sure. So On Q was started in April two thousand nine, and since that time, we've had over fifteen hundred people from forty five states and sixteen countries who have come to learn about barbecue. So we have helped incubate barbecue businesses all over the world, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. It's really the only professional level barbecue class out there. Mm-hmm. There are lots of wonderful cooking classes about competition or just um, enthusiast level classes, but this is really about behind the scenes of a restaurant mm-hmm. and a catering operation. So we have a business of barbecue class, we have a catering master class, and we have a whole hog extravaganza mm-hmm. where people come and learn about all these different, all this different whole hog cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, we schedule those classes in and around our busy time, and right now our busy time seems to be all the time. So it's been hard. We had <laughs> yeah. a class in in February, and I don't have my other two classes sure. scheduled for this year yet. But yeah. when we're busy, we know other barbecue people are busy too, and the people who come. Some of them want to get in the business. Some are already in the business. Some yeah. are other legendary people. I've been in awe of some people who've come to our class. Yeah. But really smart people know you can go to a class and learn 
one or two things that could truly transform your business or make, or make a lot of money. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah. always interesting to me to see who comes to the class um, and what they do with what they've learned. And, and those are in person in Murfreesboro, in, Illinois. Yes. So we've had lots of requests to take that show on the road, and yeah. it would be easy to do, easy and hard. But sure. we have a very unique facility um, and lots mm -hmm. of room to hold that class. But part of it is the concept that barbecue is a culture, not a concept. Okay. And we want people in our space absorbing what we do. We want them to see the people who work for us. We want them to see our layout. We just want them to see... Yeah. Um, what we're doing. Yeah. So it would be very hard to translate some of that, I think, mm -hmm. in another forum. Sure. And one of the thing, I, I appreciate so many things about you, but one of the things is that you're always giving back. And that's one way that you're giving back um, to others and really helping to educate and train them. And then one of your other businesses, I think, does the same thing. So the factory at 17th Street, a bottling facility to bottle your own sauce, what all of this started with, right? right? But you also work with other companies as well. So you want to talk about yes. that? Yes. So that building, um, that project was started. Obviously, um, to, we wanted to grow our sauce production and distribution and wholesale accounts. So we've been working on that hard since 2017. This project of building the actual factory has taken much longer than we ever anticipated. But part of that would was that we wanted to become a co-packer that people liked. Mm -hmm. Most people do not enjoy working with their co-packer. We've had our own issues working with co-packers. So we, you can come to us with your recipe and we will make and bottle your products. Okay. Any model that you were following with this growth into different areas where you like, okay, we need to go look at this and maybe this is a model because it doesn't sound no it doesn't sound <laughs> it like been. sound like you've been on the front uh-huh we have been on the front and you know therefore we've made some mistakes but um no we've we've been on the front end of it and it it's was an idea it was a way i thought you know we Murfreesboro is a factory town. We had all kinds of factories. At one time, we had a glove factory, a shoe factory, a jacket factory, a label factory. And as those factories closed, people left. Homes were abandoned. Um, it really changed the town itself. And so I thought, you know, what better than to bring a factory that back here? Mm -hmm. yeah. It will provide some jobs. It will be something that's not a restaurant. I really yeah. wanted to have a more well-rounded company. I do not want to ever have one revenue stream ever again, especially after going through a pandemic. And I'm so happy that we had started this during or before the pandemic, because we certainly saw huge growth in our sauce sales. Yeah. So we've talked about some of your businesses, but I know there's at least one more. And that was one I think you've you really had a dream for for a long time. And that's Faye. So tell us a little bit about sure. Faye. Well, the building we bought in downtown Murfreesboro was the first car dealership in our town. Okay. It was built in the 19-teens and destroyed by the tornado in 1925, right. rebuilt. It housed several different car dealerships um, throughout its years and then became a car um, auto supply and repair place called Blankenships. So most people still living remember it as Blankenships. And then it sat empty for years, and it was really about to fall down. So this was a real gut job, if you will. <laughs> there was no electricity. There was no water. Um, when we snapped this cable that was holding the front of the building together, a whole 
corner of it collapsed. It's really been rebuilt. Wow. But it's it's been exciting. And so the back two-thirds of that project are the factory. And the front, which would have been the showroom, you know, we really didn't know what we were going to do. But I my dream was to have a coffee shop. I knew if I was going to live here, I had to have a decent cup of coffee. And <laughs> We all love a decent cup of coffee. We all love a decent <laughs> cup of coffee. And, of course, it has morphed into much more than that decent yes. cup of coffee. It's really neat. Uh, we have fabulous coffee. We have a biscuit-based menu, so wonderful biscuit sandwiches, biscuits and gravy, a few salads, a few soups. It's a very limited menu. And then we have a whole gourmet section, so all kinds of little um, grocery provisions, um, things that I love are things that are manufactured by friends of mine from all over the country, but things that I would have to travel elsewhere to get or order via mail. And I wanted to bring those things right here so that other people could learn about them and enjoy them too. Yeah. And I've, I've been to Faye and I appreciate again that you kept the decor consistent with the original building too, right? In, in many ways. Yeah, so what I love about it, um, I really had the opportunity to work with a fabulous architect and design duo called Space um, in St. Louis. And I chose them because they have designed so many restaurants. Um, I, they have never designed a factory. They worked on the back end too. So that was unique for all of us putting this factory together. But the restaurant I think is where their work really shines. And it's not themey or kitschy at all, but there's a definite nod to the history of the building and that car showroom look. So there's some upholstery in certain places, and it's a tweed that you would have found in an old 1950s car. The interior is modeled after a, the color palette after a 1958 Edsel Woody wagon. So there are lots of wood tones, corals, peaches, chrome, white. It's very clean and modern. It's very simple. Yeah. There's really nothing fancy, but it's just really impeccably designed, and I think that shows. That's awesome. I've not been there, but I need to get over there. You need yes. to come over, especially do, as you're choosing all of your I do go to the 17th Street, 17th Street Barbecue here in Marion, so I know you have this location. Yes. Do you have other locations? Well, our original the is original in Murfreesboro. In Murfreesboro, yes. right. How did it go international? I mean, because the business is is across the United States. People know 17th Street Barbecue. So how did you get, did the book really do that for you? Because I believe I saw your dad on national TV uh, before the book. You did, okay. you did. My dad crushed all records at Memphis in May in the early 90s. So he was on national television and written about in Vogue magazine in the early 90s, long before I came on the scene. I always will say, well, you know, you were doing this before me. And he would say, yeah, thanks for noticing. <laughs> my, my dad was a brilliant, innate marketer. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he was really well on his way. I think there are several major moments that pivoted, or not that pivoted, but, but that propelled our business forward. Um, for sure, the contest, you know, that put him on the map. Being tapped by Danny Meyer to help open Blue Smoke, that introduces him to so many New York media people. The book gives you yet another jump and another platform. Um, we had kind of oh, an expansion into Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. We were in Las Vegas from 1994 until 2019. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, that business had, was huge there. It was not called 17th Street. That was a big branding mistake okay. because mm -hmm. it never got a chance and it was never able to capitalize on the fame of 17th Street, mm -hmm. but it did very well in its own right. Yeah. So even though it was everything was the same, they decided to go with a different name yeah. at that juncture. Yeah. Um, but, th you know, there are many different levels and things that happened along the way. And each one of those things was just a push forward. Yeah, excellent. And I know your dad, uh, no matter where he went, and I and you're the same way, you're so proud of Southern Illinois. And in a town, you know, like Murfreesboro, 7,000-ish people, um, you really could have your business anywhere. So why Murfreesboro? Why do you continue to not only stay, but expand? So why Murfreesboro, Marion, Southern mm -hmm. Illinois? Well, you know, I really, I learned this at home. I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. And my entire family was so was and is so proud of our town and of our region. My dad had so many offers. You know, he could have moved yeah. just into St. Louis and had a booming, booming business. And he really, his goal has always been to make our region better. Yeah. 17th Street really started because of our barbecue cook-off. Um, and he, you know, and the barbecue cook-off was started as an economic driver for the city. Mm -hmm. He knew that people would come here, they would buy a tank of gas, they would stay in a hotel, they would go to the grocery store, and it would be outside money coming into our community. And he always hoped that one of those barbecue people would own a business and think, wow, this is a really nice town. I am gonna move and relocate my business in Southern Illinois. That has not happened, but every year people come back from probably 16 states, sometimes other countries, to compete in our contest. Mm -hmm. And we draw 90 teams every fall. This will be our 36th year. Wow. And remind us of the name of the... It's called Praise the Lord, yes. Murfreesboro Barbecue Cook-Off. Yeah. And what time of year is it held? It's always the third weekend after Labor Day okay. in September. He really wanted September to become, like we have Memphis in May, and there's a theater festival, a music festival, the barbecue festival. Every weekend in Memphis, every weekend in May in Memphis is some sort of cultural event. He wanted that for Murfreesboro, like Murfreesboro in September. Yeah. Hmm. We have the Apple Festival, and then the next weekend is the barbecue. Right. So... And what do you, yeah. what did your dad see, and what do you see now as really maybe advantages of being in small town? There are so many advantages. Personally, I'm so happy to be back here and really just being surrounded by my extended family. I've been without them for a long time um, while I was in Boston, even though I do have one cousin who lives there. But it's just it's nice to be home. It's nice to be known. It's nice to be able to pick up the phone and call the mayor or call the city works or call whoever you need to get some help to get something fixed or to get something moving. Um, you know, there's a real, we can do it, small town spirit. Um, and of course our city is proud of us and grateful for the business that we produce and the people that we bring into town. So it's, it's really a very symbiotic relationship. And I would also think that you can't do this alone. We, we were talking earlier about, you know, the support that you have, not only of the community, but you have a group of women that you meet with mm -hmm. regularly. You have others who, you, you know, you can bounce ideas off or talk through different things. So what does that kind of support 
mean for someone who maybe is looking to start a business or maybe they have a business you, you can't go it alone so how you, important is that support? you can never go it alone it takes so many people to get anywhere like mm-hmm. none of this happened for my dad alone and it's certainly not happening for me right now i mean number one are the people you hire and you really have to surround yourself with excellent people and that has been a huge the number one challenge for over the past few years. But as difficult as that is, a third of our staff has been with us from nine to 24 years. Wow. And that is unheard of in the restaurant world. Mm-hmm. So we have a leadership team of nine people with a lot of depth and a lot of knowledge, um, you know, historical knowledge, institutional knowledge mm-hmm. about 17th Street. But you also then have to get out of that for other help. I have a business coach, which has probably been my number one um, investment and smartest move that I've made in the past year and a half or so. And she does everything from help me run projections and look at numbers deeper and in different ways. Um, She helps me with a lot of uh, procedures, operations. I mean, really, whatever I need, she's there to talk about those things. That is so interesting because I think most people would think, oh, you just need a business coach when you're just getting started. But you've been doing this a long time and you coach others as well and mentor others. Exactly. So that is really no, it's, fascinating. It's lonely. Uh-huh. Owning a business is very yeah. lonely. And who do you go to when you don't know the answer and you know that your right hand doesn't know the answer, mm-hmm. but you need that outside perspective yeah. and outside knowledge? Yes, it's it's really it's so valuable, and one. I think people um, don't go in that direction because they think it's expensive. Um, they think it might be intimidating to answer questions like that, and it's the fear of the unknown. It's right? all of those things. But you can't move into the exactly. unknown and grow unless you have somebody either has knowledge, experience, uh, uh, help you through failure and mistakes. I honestly, I don't think I would gotten any further. And I do coaching now because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think even coaches have coaches. So yeah. it's yeah. it just it's that extra layer um, of support that has really been vital That's to so me. That's so good to hear. I love it. Well, when we were talking about all the businesses you have, and, and I know you're very uh, community-oriented, you're, you're in your community, in the region, um, always helping. So it makes me want to ask the question, when do you sleep? But for but what I will ask is for those who are saying, wow, I, I would like to start a business or maybe I'm looking to expand or I have a new idea. How do you what advice would you give about how you balance all of that and, and kind of keep it all moving you take forward? Care of yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Number one, you know, you'll do a lot of things on your own until you can't and you can't do it all. So you're going to have to hire people. So the people you hire are vital and are really critical. Um, hiring smart people, hire people that you think might be smarter than you, and definitely people who don't have your same skill set. Even when I think now about all of the outside consultants that we have in our company, from an accountant to a PR person to a graphic design person, um, who else helped? My web person, all of the people who really make up my like outside consulting team. You really need um, to find the best of those people at your budget Mm -hmm. and be able to work. And ideally, those are people who will grow with you, too. Secondly, I think not enough people know their numbers or know how to read a P&L properly. And I know even working with my coach, I've learned so much more about my P&L than I ever knew before. And I thought I did okay. Um, 
but really know your numbers, know your numbers, know your numbers. Hmm. Taking time to work on your business and not in your business is really critical. And that was something that was pounded home to me a few years ago. I did the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, which I would highly recommend for anyone. You, you actually have to have a very viable business. There are a lot of criteria. And you have to have a business that has a, a, an ability to grow in a different way. So for example, when I did that, I was working on the factory. So that was the growth plan yeah. that I worked on during the Goldman Sachs program. But, you know, this summer, I washed dishes almost every Saturday at Fay, and sometimes on Sunday. And I did that because I didn't want to pay someone because it was opening, struggling, struggling with labor costs. But I also wanted my staff to see that I will do the dirtiest job and get yes. my hands dirty yeah. and that I'm invested and committed. But then I had to stop doing that because if I'm doing that every Saturday and Sunday, I'm not taking any time off. I'm using hours that I could be using to work on the business and yeah. dream about the future mm -hmm. and work on other aspects. Yeah. So that served a purpose for a while, but after a while you can't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. And I always tell people who come to on cue, like you're coming here because you love barbecue and you love turning out that barbecue on the weekends and your friends and family are raving and yeah. you just want to do this for a living. But pretty soon when you're an owner, that's the last thing you're going to get to do yeah. because you're going to be mired in operations and you're not going to actually be at the pit. Right. Hmm. Well, you've used that dirty word, mistake, or you might've used failure, but us who have been in business for a while, we know that that's opportunities to grow can you reveal one of those mistakes or failures that you said, you know, I really needed to go through that because that helped me get here. Can you remember any of those? Almost every mistake or failure has involved personnel. Okay. And people. The, people. it's the people problem. And the biggest mistake, um, and a very wise friend of mine, Rick Schmidt from Kreitz Market in Lockhart, Texas, told me this once. He went to a seminar and learned this adage that, you know, within two weeks if someone is going to work out and it usually takes two years to fire them. Yeah. And we're <laughs> often on about the five-year plan at 17th yeah. Street. And so I think removing negative personnel earlier in their mm -hmm. careers and helping them find a new one, a new place to go, um, is probably our, we've, we've held on to people way too long. Yeah, hmm. that's very wise. But you also mentioned you have a lot of folks who've been with you a long time. So what do you what do you attribute to that loyalty, you know, and and for companies that, you know, every business I talk with right now, workforce is at the top of their list as far as challenges. So how do you create that culture that that develops those folks and that loyalty? That is the hundred million dollar question, <laughs> isn't it? Well, it sounds like you've done it well. So well, my, I'm gonna my dad did it well. Okay. And I'm and I'm continuing, but I think you you just have to find your people. Mm -hmm. And we, we laugh at 17th Street, we call it drinking the Kool-Aid. And mm -hmm. if you come here, like you have to drink our brand of Kool-Aid. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like how our Kool-Aid tastes, then you're gonna go down the street to a different place and try out their Kool-Aid because it's certainly not for everyone. And there are people who, you know, come in and become part of the team. We have plenty of people who are on the two year mark, the five year mark. Um, but we have people who didn't last the first day 
because they didn't like it or they, you know, something wasn't clicking. And it, this year has been unreal. Mm -hmm. um, we had 123 people come through, go through our company this year. And I would say the vast majority of those made it through orientation or they came for one shift. Wow. But that's how many mm -hmm. W-2s we printed. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Of people who are no longer with us. Of course. So that is shocking. And my own theory about that is that in the hospitality industry, I think COVID was the big shakeup. Mm -hmm. A lot of people left the industry. And now we're looking for that new wave of people who are going to become the hospitality people. Yeah. And it's a little shaky out there getting that group on board. But we're getting them now. You know, we've been yeah. stable for a month or two. Yeah. Knock on wood. Um, but the, I think setting expectations, getting people being very clear about who you are, what your company is about, what your goal, what your mission, what you stand for as a company, and bringing those people into the fold and really um, orienting them yeah. from the beginning is is vital. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Would mm -hmm. you talk through a little bit about your mission, your vision, and those values? Because sure. it's all answers our why, why we do exactly. what we do. Exactly, exactly. Well, our mission um, really stems from generosity. So generosity is a recipe for success. And that generosity is not necessarily financial or money, unfortunately, but it's generosity of spirit and helping people. So always, how can I help? What can I do? We're extremely passionate about our community. So lots of volunteer work. We're sitting on lots of um, boards of different community organizations and really at the ground level of trying to make our town and our region better. Mm. So we have fun together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, fun is part of it. Because we are promoting our community, we know that half the people who come through our door are from out of town, out of state, out of country every day. Mm -hmm. There'll be someone from another country at 17th Street. So wel welcoming those people, making them feel like they're a local and like they're at home, but talking to them about our region. And they tell us, I'm here to hunt or fish. We talk to them about that. Or I'm here to hike or I'm here to see family. You know, there are all kinds of things that bring someone to our door. And then, of course, many of them are barbecue enthusiasts. They yeah. came specifically to eat the barbecue. And so, you know, you have to really yeah. talk to them about 17th Street and how great it is and how much fun yeah. you have working there. Now, I think I have a, a misnomer or a myth, and that is that there's so much barbecue out there because I grew up here in the Midwest, but I went to school in Atlanta. There's so much more barbecue, I think, in North Georgia than some other places. I just think it's highly competitive, you know, but I didn't hear that when you were talking at the beginning because you're actually helping other people and training them to be successful in this industry. What's your philosophy behind that? Shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't you be like doing the best and competing with the best and well it it is very competitive but there's just a lot of heart and soul in barbecue mm -hmm. and i think the only thing we wouldn't tell somebody is the recipe for magic dust or for our barbecue sauces but everything else pretty much we share yeah. and you know when we help start blue smoke we had them in our kitchens for weeks at a time for two years and we taught them everything we knew they used our magic dust, they used our barbecue sauce, but their barbecue did not taste exactly like ours. They used our pits, they used our wood, yeah. and a lot of it is, it's all right here, it's this heart. But what we want to do is teach people 
methods. Uh, we teach things that work for us, but somebody else is going to go home and say, well, they cook at 210 degrees. I'm going to do it at 225 degrees. And they use this wood and I use this and their seasoning tastes like this, but mine is here and it tastes totally different. Mm-hmm. You, so even changing the wood can make barbecue taste so different. So it's really just about methods. Yeah. And again, our methods won't work for everyone. We're just showing you one way of a thousand that will work. Something I also heard you say when you were talking about different people coming to Murfreesboro and coming to your business and you talk about the region, you talk about, um, you know, what there there is to offer. It made me think what an interesting concept that small businesses really have a responsibility to their communities, to their region as sort of that front door and that that first maybe uh, place that folks stop. So I don't know if small business owners necessarily think about that during the trying to get through the day to day, but I think that's such an interesting concept. Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head and I've never heard it articulated quite that way, mm. but absolutely. I think we're a welcome center for yes. Murfreesboro. Yeah. Yes. I think that's, that's really good for other business owners to think about. It's not just about getting through the day to day in your own business. It really is about representing your community, your region yeah. and making it a better place. So, Amy, what's next for 17th Street Barbecue? Well, right now we are in this growing phase. Um, So much factory work is next. We're really growing those wholesale accounts, growing our co-packing list. I want to help everyone co-pack I possibly can, but I've already had to put down parameters. Like a minimum batch is this. Um, You know, you have to give us a day's work or we have to charge for a day's work. Um, we, we will have people come who want to like to make a kettle of sauce for them. We can't do things like that. So we've, we've definitely um, are really just figuring out the methods that we're going to use to make that factory successful. Excellent. So if someone has their favorite recipe that they've always wanted to bottle or whatever that might be, they can reach out and, and you can help walk them through that process, maybe even if they don't even have a business yet. Right. right. Well, many people don't necessarily have any kind of business, mm-hmm. but they want to sell barbecue sauce. Sure. Yeah. And I, obviously, if you have a restaurant, mm-hmm. you have a ready outlet. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, a lot of times, we will bottle half of the batch in gallons, and they can use that in the kitchen. It's much mm-hmm. easier to pour out of a gallon into a bowl than to keep opening your bottles yeah. and using that in your kitchen. And then the rest of the run will go into bottles and those can be for retail sale but you a minimum run will be at least one pallet of barbecue mm-hmm. sauce so you need to have an outlet sure yeah for how that. do people contact you if they have questions about that or any of the businesses i guess um, they can contact via email amy at 17bbq.com okay excellent Very good yeah did we miss anything is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we may have not asked i feel like this has been really thorough yeah I'm just excited to be in Southern Illinois to promote our region, to bring more people to our region. We have so much to offer here. I love working with Deb on SI Now. Um, 
And mm-hmm. I would invite you to come help mm-hmm. us here at Ethos, too, because well, I've heard you. so much that I love like-mindedness, and uh, you've got such business experience that we could use that with here at Ethos Small Business Incubator and maybe pull you in in some type of form or fashion to help other businesses. I would be delighted. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Amy you. Mills from 17th Street Barbecue, thank you for joining yes, us thank you. today. Thank you. And thank you for being part of the small town big business community by listening and watching our podcast. And thank you to our sponsors again. That includes Arcadia Wealth Group, Black Diamond Harley Davidson and RV, Valor Heating and Cooling, Watermark Auto Group Foundation, Swinford Media Group, and our producers at Union Street Arts. If you want to know more about Ethos and our services at a small as a small business incubator co-working spaces, doing some training and development, you can contact me. I'm Russ Williams at Russell at watermarkethos.org or find us on Facebook at Ethos at the Citadel on Tower Square. And I'm Deb Barnett uh, with Southern Illinois Now. You can find us at southerneillinoisnow.org. Also on all of those social media platforms that Russ mentioned. Speaking of platforms, don't forget to subscribe to Small Town Big Business on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find us on YouTube. So you can not only listen, but watch us uh, in person uh, on YouTube. So search Small Town Big Business and subscribe for free so you don't miss the next episode. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. I'm Russell Williams. And I'm Deb Barnett. Until next time.